remember last week when I did an open about Tyreek being traded to Miami? And I went on to mention how I thought the Colts were making some sneaky good moves. And they were the undervalued team in the AFC. I did that whole Matt Ryan, underrated MVP, 8th best odds, better than the 8th best team, blah, 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 blah. Well, some things have happened. And now I'm all in. I am now a Colts fan. I have ordered two Colts shirts so I can rep my new team when I go to the gym. And I have gone ahead and placed futures bets on the Colts to win the AFC. Why the change? Um, the Colts just went ahead and hired a new senior defensive assistant. He goes by the name of John Fox. Fox was a head coach in the NFL for 16 years. This guy's been around the block, and he's an elite defensive mind. In only his second season as a head coach, he took Jake DeLome and the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl only to face Tom Brady and be barely outmatched, losing by three, 32-29, on an Adam Vinatieri game-winning field goal. He later went on to Denver. Remember that Tim Tebow-led team that beat the Steelers in the playoffs? Fox was the head coach, somehow figuring out how to win with an insane defense and, uh, let's just say, a uh, heavy run game on offense. He then helped recruit Peyton Manning to Denver and helped bring them to the Super Bowl when they face the Seattle Seahawks. Fox, like I said, a 16-year former NFL coach, he's coached 15 playoff games in which he has a winning record. The guy helps teams get to the dance. He always says, once you get into the dance, you have a chance to leave with the beautiful girl. People in and around the league call him Foxy, and I think it's a play that has to do more with his charms than his good looks at this age. And you could tell him I said that, or... Maybe I will. John's son, Cody Fox, was my college roommate, and he's one of my best friends. I love that guy, and I've spent plenty of time with his family, which means spending plenty of time with Coach Fox. I was on the couch next to John when Ray Allen hit that crazy three-pointer from Chris Bosh Pass in Game 6 during the Miami-San Antonio Finals. I remember he wanted the Spurs to win, close it out. I'm a diehard LeBron stan. Oh boy, I remember screaming some profanity and I going absolutely absurd. It was a it was a scene. Anyways, a few years of good memories have made me a biased sports fan. As long as John's coaching, I will be rooting for his team. He hasn't been coaching these last few years, and I haven't been a fan of any team since. He's back, and I'm back, baby. Like I said, I ordered two shirts, I put some units on the Colts to make the Super Bowl, and anyone who hears this and wants to tail those plays and come along for the Colts ride, the more the merrier. I gotta go look up like the Colts fan slogans. I think it's like, go horse go or something. All right, quick break. Today I'm bringing back Austin to do the Western Conference since last week we only got through the East. Okay, welcome back. We are now joined again by Austin. Austin, welcome back. Thank you again for being here. You are now the first guest to make a return appearance on The Advantage. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, I'm secretly hoping that my title gets upgraded from guest to correspondent at some point in time. And oh, we could do that officially right now. Okay, oh so wow! Correspondent Austin much. Vernon is back in the building. Yeah, let's do that. You're now a correspondent from now on. Great. Uh, that's great. I'm hoping to have you regularly throughout the upcoming NBA playoffs to recap some stuff. So if you want to be a, a part-time correspondent, that would be a, a big boost for me as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm ready to earn my title. 
All right. Well, last time you were here, we discussed Eastern Conference and we broke down some of the top teams. I want to quickly, you're here today to discuss some Western Conference shenanigans, but I want to quickly break down some of the things that have changed in the Eastern Conference. And what we're going to do is a quick, I'm going to set a five minute timer. We're going to do a five minutes. You can choose whatever take you want to, whatever story you want to take on. However long you want to spend on it, you could do quick hitters. You could say, let's do five minutes on this one topic. Up to you. I know if I presented these topics, we'd end up spending the full hour covering these. And that's not what we're here for today. But last week we reviewed the East and quite a bit has changed to review. Kyrie has been cleared to play in all of Brooklyn's home games. The Heat have lost four straight and the Jimmy Butler Spo spat happened right before we spoke the celtics lost robert williams to a torn meniscus after we did a full few minutes on his amazing defensive rotations and now he was the anchor to that defense and last night the milwaukee bucks and the philadelphia 76ers faced off head-to-head in a big seeding matchup and we saw Giannis and the milwaukee bucks prevail and the 76ers yet again lose another game to a top contending team. I think they lost to the Suns recently and now the Bucks. And this team really can't figure it out against top level competition. So Austin, take it from there. Where do you want to start? I'm going to start a five minute timer right now. I definitely want to start with the Celtics and I'd be surprised if we get beyond that in five minutes, but I'll, I will try. I, I, the same game that they move into first place and cap off you know, the, the biggest catapult in the NBA this season from 11th place to 7th place within 2022 all the way up to first. The very same game uh, that they that they get in first place, they lose Robert Williams, and he, he, is, he is essential. I saw the news, I think it was today or yesterday, that said that they opted not for the season-ending surgery, but for the surgery that takes four to six weeks to recover. Um, I don't know if that's optimistic, but... They need him. So that that would be the second round. So with them moving up the standings, it becomes even more important because if they can find, you know, there are no easy matchups in the East, but if they can find a winnable without Robert Williams matchup in the East and then get him back for the second round, then I'm still excited about, about the Celtics. And I think, you know, moving up to first place is more I mean, the Heat have struggled, Philly has struggled, but I think it's more about how good the Celtics are, how Tatum's been offensively at an MVP level for a while now, and their defense, which we talked about plenty last episode, so I, w- I won't get back into it, has, has been the best in the league, but that's with Robert Williams. Were you surprised that they went ahead and did the repair surgery again for the insider torn meniscus people? I'll break it down. You could either choose to repair the meniscus, which is a lengthier recovery. We've seen the likes of uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. miss a full season with that. James Wiseman's missed the full season with the same procedure. So if Robert Williams were to undergo the repair, he would likely be out until mid-next season. The upside to doing the repair is you generally have a lengthier career. And Robert Williams right now, 24 years old, he was just locked into a four-year contract. Uh, The entire Celtics core is incredibly young. I was a little shocked that they went ahead with the quick fix of the removal, which is we'll just remove it and then you could strengthen your knee and you get back to healing quicker because there's not a new ligament that needs to repair and 
reinsert itself into the attachment points. So it's just a quicker process. But the flip side of that is when you go through the removal, you have to you end up shortening the length of your career because you lead to more bone on bone and cartilage issues. Robert Williams fell to 27th in the draft because he had knee issues in college plaguing him throughout his early career. Um, I was surprised they didn't try and repair it and give him the benefit of the doubt to say, let's play this long term. You know, understand we were on a great run, but let's take the long term approach because our team is so young and this could be a group that stays together for five plus seasons. So I, I love it from the standpoint where I do feel like the Celtics understand the opportunity that they have this year and that no matter how good your team is, if things aren't clicking when the playoffs hit, if, if people aren't healthy when the playoffs hit, it, it doesn't matter how, how talented you are and how good of a, a regular season you had, you can't win. So I, I love that they recognize the opportunity and I do have enough faith in the Celtics that I don't think they would sacrifice Robert Williams's career for a shot at this year's playoffs, but maybe I'm giving them too much credit from the health side of this. Hey, wait, 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 wait. You remember they played Isaiah Thomas into the ground? I I remember they did Isaiah Thomas dirty. I I do think that, that Isaiah, I, I have to hear Isaiah Thomas's side on this, but I do think that what was going on with his hip was complicated. They didn't really understand the severity of it at the time and that he did want to play through those playoffs. But I, I, I don't want to speak for IT. Maybe they screwed him. I'm, I'm a Celtics hater. I would jump on that bandwagon. They, they do have a history of not being the most cautious with their injuries and rehabs. Uh, you know, you think you think you just it's not the same people in the front office there. And you think maybe the tide has turned and just the general whole consensus of the NBA is more of a rest first, health first, player first, Mm -hmm. uh, or like whole scope and landscape in the league like we've never seen before. So maybe that contributes to it. But again, I don't think the Celtics, they don't have the benefit of the doubt for me to say. So one thing that I do the right thing. One thing that I thought about, and again, I, so I, I had meniscus surgery. I tore my ACL and, and, uh, partially tore my meniscus. Doesn't it all make me an expert, um, on this, but I, I, there was a decision to be made where they went back in and looked and tried to figure out how much of my meniscus they could save to, to decide whether they wanted to trim some off, repair, or get rid of it. It could be, again, I don't know what the doctors, but cause there was a decision to be made. It could be that they decided more based on what was left of the meniscus than, you know, do we, uh, do we need them back in four to six weeks to win a playoff series? This is very fair. Okay. That, that's a very good uh, understanding of the issue. Kind of have more experience on it than myself. I know you've had a history of knee problems and played a lot more basketball than I have. You know, we can't really spectate on someone else's handling of someone else's injury when we're not doctors and haven't seen anything. We did hit that full five minutes purely discussing Rob Williams and the Celtics. Yeah. So we're skipping we're skipping Kyrie. We're skipping the Spo, Eric uh, we're Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler spat, and we're gonna skip the Buck seventy sixers game last night. Let's go to the West, A V. And I sent you a pretty interesting uh, concept for this episode, which was to play a little game called Who Are the Most Important Role Players in the West? And the reason why we're doing this is because obviously health is the biggest factor in the West right now. I mean, Steph is going to be coming back off injury. Chris Paul just returned from his hand injury. John Morant is out until the start of the playoffs. The Denver has Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray out. 
Paul George just returned for the, uh, for the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard and Norman Powell might be on the way. So there's a lot of big names in terms of injury news. Anthony Davis, if the Lakers make the playoffs. So let's take that secondary aspect. Who's the next tier of players that might be really impactful in the 2022 Western Conference playoffs and go from there to then discuss their teams at large? So, Austin, I asked you to come up with a list of your three most important role players in the West and to define role player, I texted you saying, not a top three option on their team. Mm-hmm. And anyone on the teams ranked 1 through 11, because we don't know who's going to make the play-in even in the West right now. So a little bit more clarity. We know the top 10 teams in the East, but we could go 11 deep in the West. So Austin, let's start from the top. Who is your number one most important role player to watch in the Western Conference playoffs? My guy is Dorian Finney-Smith, a.k.a. Dodo, a.k.a. do everything right now for the Mavs. I, I love the way that the Mavs are playing. So this is probably as much about me liking the Aluka-led Mavs in the playoffs as it is about uh, Dodo specifically. Um, but they're, they're going to need him. So the way that they're, they're playing right now, they're going to need him to essentially play 48 minutes a game. He needs to defend the other team's best player, whether that's perimeter or four. He's probably going to have some some four or five minutes defending some legitimately big people. And then he needs to hit threes at, at a high rate, which he has been doing. And if he's cold, as well as he defends, they're going to struggle too because you can just collapse on Luka. I, I'm so happy to see the step forward he's taken this year. I don't know why, but I, I love this player. I, I, I would pick him for my team. He's a, he's a classic role player that you need in the NBA right now. Long, defends, versatile, uh, multiple positions. And Luca likes him. You can tell. They talk about each other in, in the post game sometimes. It, it seems like they're all friendly. I, I, like, uh, I like Dodo. And the Mavs just extended him midseason. They gave him that right after the trade deadline and they shipped Porzingis out. They gave him a four-year extension. They clearly have faith in him as well. Exactly. And that was a controversial extension because everyone was talking about Jalen Brunson and whether they're going to be able to pay him and keep him on. And and signing Dodo makes that even tougher. It shows how important he was or how important they felt he was to the organization. So he did not make my list um, because, again, I didn't know if he was a top three player on the Mavs. I I think the Mavs (laughs) organization is really shaky to even find who's the second best player. Uh, I think you could have even asked that question even when KP was there. Like, who's even the second best player on this team? Brunson this year. Yeah, Brunson's been fantastic this year. Yeah, Uh, I had Reggie Bullock on my honorable mentions because he's one of those guys. I mean, he was a huge winning piece for the Knicks last year when they became a four seed. And when he's gone on his spurts, when he's knocking down his threes and playing good defense, he just opens up another dimension. It's very similar to the Finney Smith thing. Uh, He plays a similar role. Uh, it just almost having two of them out out there at once even opens up that much more spacing and room for Luca to operate. So I had him on my honorable mentions, but yeah, I, I would agree. Finney Smith is a great one. Let's talk a little bit about Dallas at large. Um, they're looking like they're going to finish either in the three, four, or five seed. Uh, they sit at the four right now. The Warriors might be dropping a few because they're reeling without Steph. Um, but you never know. But it is looking like whether they end up in the 3-4 or the 5, their first-round matchup will either be 
against the Utah Jazz or the Denver Nuggets? Do you think Luka and the Mavs are favorites in either of these matchups? Both matchups. I I think that Luka uh, is peaking at the right time, and he's the kind of uh, ball-dominant superstar that can carry playoff series. I feel like even in his younger years, in his first few seasons, he was ready for the playoffs and playing great, and he caught some tough Clipper matchups where there was a little bad blood. Great players and, and great defenders with length and, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, and I, I think he could have potentially gone farther in past years and, and just, you know, had a tough matchup. So I, I do think he's ready, but part of that part of that reasoning is the other side of that. I think that Jokic um, and, and the Nuggets, who we'll talk about, it's, he just doesn't have any help right now. I saw that, you know, Jamal and Michael Porter Jr. not coming back. And I, I, back. I, I had the same issue that you just described with Dallas, where I tried to pick a role player on this team, and I was like, oh, Barton, he'd be key because, you know, it's such a big swing from his A game to, you know, when he's playing like crap. And uh, he's what is he, the second, third best healthy player? Aaron Gordon, I wanted to do the same thing. He's the second, third best, you know? So I couldn't, I couldn't even pick a role player there. I had the same problem. Those guys didn't fit the bill. And then I yeah. was like, do I pick Monte Morris? Do I even pick Austin Rivers to have another playoff show out? And then I was like, ultimately, I'm not going to pick a guy who might get like 12 to 18 minutes to be one of the most impactful role players. Um, when it comes to the Dallas series, I do want to say I see right now in the odds that Utah is a higher favorite to make it out of the West than Dallas. Uh, I'm a Utah fader. I think they're soft. I don't think they're built for the playoffs. I think Luka is a once-in-a-generation talent, and I think ultimately you bet on that. We saw Kawhi play literally outworldly the last two seasons against Luka in the first round. Um, Luka has been absolutely fantastic in his career, in his playoff career, even though he has two first-round exits and that's it. This is the year where Luka gets over the hump to me. I agree. They're probably the favorite in both of these series. From a betting angle, I'm really, really hoping they line up with the Jazz. They become the underdog because Vegas has the Jazz as the favorites, and I could be betting plus money on the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic. I'm co-signing all of that just to jump in quickly. Um, and I, and I think that while I said that the Mavs were peaking at the right time, the Jazz are a mess. They, in their post-game conferences, they're blaming each other. Donovan Mitchell seems unhappy. They're not defending well. Obviously, that's that's the same issue they almost always have, where their perimeter guys are struggling, and then you know they don't switch, so they have to play that drop coverage. But I, I co-sign everything you said there. Do you think Dallas trading Porzingis comes back to haunt them? I mean, they're lining up with either, like we said, the Jazz, who have Gobert, or the Nuggets, who have Jokic. Because KP is, is such a dominant, you know, playoff presence, I, I haven't seen enough out of KP, especially in the playoffs, to think that. And I love what Dinwiddie gives them. It's, you know, it's, it's strange that this team, who their two best players are ball-dominant guards, getting another kind of, you know, ball-dominant combo guard could be the key. But it is. You, you need hoopers. You need people who are ready for the moment. He's hit multiple game winners since getting there. They love him there. He's feeling himself. You know he's the kind of guy who needs to be feeling himself to be playing. And I, I think that it was fine trading KP away because he wasn't doing much on this end. I agree. I think the Mavs didn't know if he'd be there come playoffs. Like You can never count on Porzingis to be healthy, let alone for multiple rounds. 
listen, if they play against Jokic, it would be really nice to have that kind of interior defense because he is a good rim protector. But ultimately, they're playing a whole new freer offense with Dinwiddie, and we'll see if Bertans can make any impact. But even Maxi Kleber has been great. Uh, he spaces the floor and plays good defense. He's a switchable defender. He can kind of guard everybody. Him and Finney Smith are their best two defenders. It's been working for them. They've been playing out of their mind, both on offense and defense. Uh, it's been the best of both worlds. Let's move on. Austin, do you want me to give you my one of my top role players, or do you want to hit me with your second? Give me one of yours. All right, I'm going to go with my number one player that I chose most impactful player in the Western Conference to watch this season as a role player, Cameron Johnson. <laughs> uh, so I have him in my list as well, but he's he's been hurt with no timetable. I hope that means they're saving him for the playoffs and that the quad is fine. I have him in my top, and then I have in parentheses, and if he's hurt, Crowder moves way up in terms of how important he's going to be. I was going to say, if for some reason Cam Johnson doesn't come back, the indicators and things that I've read, I, I agree. I think he's pretty much ready, and it's a we'll, we'll see him in the playoffs sort of situation. Um, but yeah, I have Cam Johnson. If he's making 40% of his threes and is reliable, he makes such good def- decisions on offense. He's always in the right place on defense. If he can make his shots like he's done this season, and you have CP3, Booker, Aiton, Bridges, Cam Johnson. It's it's just such a stable lineup. Again, you said you could sub in Crowder to match up with any kind of big body and get physical. Uh, but yeah, I have Cam Johnson as huge player development this year. I thought he should even have been maybe considered and most improved. But he's my number one player to watch. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, I, I love the that. Suns are just such a well-oiled machine. They are, and, and he's a part of that. He's a great pick there. And if you look historically at who who have been the role players that have made the biggest difference in the playoffs and propelled teams to finals to championships it's so often a, a, th- a great three-point shooter off the bench that gets hot a wing who can guard and be a body and then you don't expect it and gives you that three and and i love his shot it might be the prettiest in the league should let's let's talk some sun's bigger picture they're obviously the favorite right now. I don't need to discuss whether you think they're the favorite. They are clearly, they're plus 115 to make it out of the West. That means bet 100, win $115 back. It's very little juice. I'm not recommending you guys go ahead and bet on it. However, it just demonstrates how far ahead of this team they are, how far ahead this team is from the rest of the pack. Also, the question I had for you is that we've seen kind of two narratives built around the Suns. And it's one of two things. The first option is this team is underrated and is about to win 65 or more games and should be considered clear NBA title favorites and by far the best team in the league. 65 wins or more has been done 17 times. 12 of them were NBA champs. Or two, this Suns team is overperforming. And yes, they're the best in the West, but I don't see them as a heavy favorite nor a potential historic level team. Which door are you choosing? So I'm I'm much closer to door number one there. I'm I'm falling slightly short in that I don't think that they're what was the last part? They're clearly the best team in the league. I think that there are so many good teams in the East. I think that they are or they should be the clear 
favorite right now because they're by far the best team in the West, and the West is a conference that has way more question marks than the East. So many more injuries, so many superstars that that left uh, the West for the East this year, last year. So because they have, in my mind, such an easier road to the finals, um, depending on what happens with uh, AD and LeBron in the first round, I, I think that I think that they should. Whoa! Be <laughs> you really just go there? <laughs> I think it'd be the most fun matchup possible. <laughs> Oh my uh, God! We'll we'll do, we'll do Lakers later. We'll, we'll I'm sure we'll touch on that. Of course, we'll do Lakers at, later <laughs> at some point. But um, yeah, no, I I I think that the Suns have what it takes, and they're in the right position in that they seem healthy in the better conference, um, with better potential matchups. So I'm on board there. But I'm I will say I'm not the kind of person that believes in these these kind of NBA truisms and these Phil Jackson kind of you have to win 40 before you lose 20 or you can't you can't have a shot of winning it it's different every year you got to judge each team um on a new set of criteria just just based on what you watching the games and the rest of the league and how they compare and who's healthy um but yeah i'm, I'm going to dore the numbers at large show that phoenix is amongst the teams that have clearly won the nba championship but again they haven't done it yet i feel like a lot of those teams that have done it in the past were like you know the Bulls with MJ after they had already won a few. Uh, Kobe and Shaq after they had been together for a bit. Yes, this Suns team made it to the finals last year. Uh, their run through the playoffs and the teams that they faced will always be a little bit debated and a little asterisk, but you never take away them reaching the finals. They haven't won the big thing yet, nor have they been around for multiple, multiple years for the general public to feel very much convinced by what they're doing. And they also don't have like a top three player in the league that were like, oh, that's the guy that we count on every night. They got their LeBron. They got their Durant. They're going out there with just a perfect machine that doesn't matter who's playing. Everyone knows their roles. They're well coached. They have good leadership. That Everyone, you know, is in the right spots. And they end up just beating you down over the course of a 48-minute game. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. They seem way more, way less to me like like the dominance of a Kobe Shaq Lakers team, which I remember, and it just felt like guaranteed they were going to win two of the best players in the league stomping through. They, they feel more to me like, like one of those San Antonio teams that ran the perfect offense and, and you felt like they were really good. It's going to be tough to beat them, but the talent was around and it could happen. Um, but still a, a formidable opponent. They're still my favorite. I'm glad we didn't mention the Hawks team. Cause I really don't think they're like that. Budenholzer 65 win Hawks team. Yeah, that, that would have been too much of an insult. Worked in the first round. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, hit me with your second player. I guess maybe Cam Johnson was your second, so who's your third? So for my third, I'm going with a, a Minnesota combo between Beverly and Beasley here. I, I, it was too hard for me to decide. I've, I've watched a lot of Minnesota games compared to what I have in the past because I had Cat on my fantasy team. I love them. They're, they're fun to watch. Um, and, and if I'm picking between the two role players, I'm going to go with Beverly because I think he's such a polarizing player that changes a series. And if he's having one of those shut down the other guy's superstar in their head, people are talking about him like he was when he was starring on the Clippers at, at times and really changing a series, hitting his open threes. He can be a big help in a playoff series to a team that needs toughness and defense more than most teams in the West. 
that on the other hand, he could be the worst player in the series by a lot and and lose it for them, which is tough to do as a role player. Most role players, you know, if you're playing well, you'll swing it up. If you're playing badly, you'll sit the bench. But he he is a big part of what they're doing. He's a wild card, and uh, I hope that he I hope that he's what they need. I hope he brings toughness and not clownery. I absolutely love this pick, Austin. If you look at the standings right now, and if things were to stand pat as they are, the Timberwolves come in as the seven seed. Memphis Grizzlies are the two seed. That means we see in the first round Patrick Beverly lining up against John Morant, trying to make his first playoff appearance. Actually, no, they made the playoffs last year. Trying to make his first uh, real contender run a living nightmare. Wow. I think that would be a perfect example of someone who, because this, where the standings are and because of the way this might shake out, I mean, Pat Bev is going to be so important in that first round of the playoffs if he's going against Ja. And again, if he's not going against Ja, it's likely Steph or Chris Paul. So if it's one of those other two guys, I think those are such established veterans that they don't get bothered by the chicanery of a Pat Bev. But if it's against Ja, then I love, love, love that take. Uh, let's talk some T-Wolves. You said you had a front seat to the Timberwolves this year as a Carl Anthony Towns fantasy owner. Do you think that this team is a scary first-round team to play, or you think they're a first-round out? I think they're a first-round out. I, I think that they figured out this year how to not blow games in the regular season. I do think that that Ant is better than a lot of people thought he would be this early in his career, that Cat has really taken a step forward. But a lot of the things that they figured out as a team are honestly regular season things that a lot of teams, quite frankly, figure out more quickly than they did. I, I know that D'Lo was kind of a late ad, and they just drafted Ant last year, and it wasn't you know the Wiggins-Zach Levine cat combo that they thought but they've had time to figure this out and i i'm happy they took this step forward and they're ready for the regular season um they're ready to be real threats in the regular season and, and win games and, and more importantly not blow games that they're winning and hitting shots and playing well it's amazing how many games the minnesota timberwolves have given away in the regular season in the past three years um but talk about the matchups that that you're looking at do i think they can beat the memphis grizzlies no do I think they can beat the Golden State Warriors? They could, but it has nothing to do with Minnesota. If Steph and Draymond are healthy and clicking, then you know I it would take a a really really impressive Pat Bev to, to shut that down. You don't think revenge D'Lo is going to knock out the Warriors? <laughs> I I don't know if D'Lo has a revenge mode. You know I like D'Lo, <laughs> but <laughs> that's a regular season hooper right there. I I think they all right now are regular season hoopers. They need the taste of defeat. From a from a postseason matchup, they might need an embarrassing sweep to be like, oh, okay, let's bring in an older vet to get this locker room together. Chris Finch is better than we thought. We have the pieces, um, but th- this isn't the year for them in my book. Okay, um, I think it really what you were saying it comes to be more based on the matchup, and what this question really comes down to is that are the Timberwolves a first round out or are they a scary first round team? It really comes down to what you think of the Memphis Grizzlies. If the Warriors are healthy, like you said, give me the Warriors every day. If it's Phoenix in any capacity, give me Phoenix. But again, I don't know how sold I am on Memphis this season. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, I, th- I think if it was a Timberwolves versus Memphis series, and we were in Memphis for the first two, there's all these young guys taking on this moment for the first time. I think I would take the plus money 
and put a little bit on the Timberwolves to win the first game or two because I know that they'd be underdogs in Memphis. And you just never know who's going to show up or who's going to fall a little bit in these moments that just give me the better odds because it might be a 50-50 proposition. And if I could get better than 50-50 odds, then I'll then I'll take that. I'll put a little bit of juice on the first two games when we're in Memphis for Minnesota to win. That would be something that I'm looking for projecting forward from a betting angle. Yeah, I, I like that. I And you know that the betters are going to be heavy on Ja. Um, they they love a player like that in the playoffs, as, as they should to an extent, but they're, they're going to be betting heavy there. And then on the other end of that, I, I think based on experience alone, Memphis is the best matchup for Minnesota because that's their biggest weakness like we talked about. Agreed. Agreed. And if Ja's coming back for his first game off of injury, rejoining the team in the playoffs, it could take a, a game or a quarter or two even to gel. So even that quarter or two, you know, if it takes the first half, for them to get reintegrated, maybe Timberwolves take a lead and they steal the first game. It totally could. Um, just one quick comment before we leave. It could. It's just as likely that Ja has a 50 banger in his first game back. I think he is excited for this year's playoffs. He is not holding back. Something I would love to see. Um, all right. You want me to give you my next one? Yeah, your second. He's a rookie. Wow. And he might make a huge impact in the playoffs. It's Jonathan Kaminga. Wow. Okay. Talk to me. I just think that this Warriors team is in such a spot where he's the potential piece for a death lineup of Steph, Clay, or Poole, depending on who's playing better, Wiggins, Draymond, and Kaminga. This guy is so fast. He's an insane athlete. He's by far the best athlete on their team. They don't really have reliable bigs that I think Kaminga could be the piece that if he can be plugged in and just open up a whole new dimension for them to play, it's like, oh my God, how do we deal with this for other teams? How do we keep up with the spacing and the shooting and and the pace that the Warriors are bringing that if they go against a team like Denver, I don't think Denver stands a chance if Kaminga's on his game, spacing the floor, passing the ball quickly, understanding his role Uh, I think early in the first half of the season he was like shooting horribly from the three point and subsequently his overall PER was terrible and he just stopped shooting threes and all of his numbers started skyrocketing points were going up his efficiency was going up his minutes were going up and they asked him what changed and he's like I realized I didn't have to shoot (laughs) wow he's like we have better shooters around me that it doesn't need to be me who shoots the three so I, I think like, if a rookie learning that this young and he's on this team that is this dangerous, he could be that missing piece. I like that choice. Admittedly, I haven't seen a lot of uh, Kaminga playing time live. He hasn't uh, played a lot of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that made it hard for me without passing my eye test. I did try to pick someone on, on Golden State in my top for, for the opposite reason that I couldn't pick someone for Denver. Looking if if we're calling a role player not top three, and the Warriors' top three is uh, Steph, Draymond, and Clay, that leaves Poole and Wiggins, who are incredibly talented, quote unquote, role players. And I just couldn't pick either of them because, for me, the the success of Golden State in this year's playoffs is so, so, so top heavily tied to Steph and Draymond are they healthy are they clicking if they are I think that they they could come out of the west they could potentially win it all and if they're not then I think that you know they could be out as soon as a tough first round matchup but unlikely 
I completely agree. We might see, you know, 14 minutes a game from Kaminga in the playoffs because all their pieces are healthy. It was more like a just in case this is the guy to watch for in case the pieces aren't together and he's making something happen. He would be something special to watch. Deep cuts showing you did the research. Um, can I give you my third? Yeah, of course. I feel like we don't really need to talk about Warriors at large. I mean, it's we agree. It's 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 a matter of are their top players healthy. I mean, we could talk about would you rather have a veteran bench or a young bench like they have now? They used to have Livingston and West and those guys. Now they have Gary Payton and Kaminga and that young crew. But again, let's just skip that for now. My third one, I have a question for you before I give you my, my answer. Okay. Can you name me the three best players on the Lakers? Yeah, it's LeBron, AD if he's healthy, if that's allowed, and then it's allowed. a toss. It's allowed, okay, and then it's a toss up between Malik Monk and Austin Reeves, and and in the playoffs, it's going to be whoever's hotter and hitting more shots. Okay, Malik Monk was who I wrote, <laughs> and if he's a top three, I'll go with Russell Westbrook. But let's talk about Monk <laughs> okay. while we're here. Um, he's the perfect LeBron piece if he starts playing defense. And I think if you have LeBron and AD, then all you need is Monk to put on his best KCP bubble imitation. And this is a real title team again. Is it not? I, I think it's a great comp. He, he If he defends even a little bit, the, the threes he's hitting, the spacing of the floor, the bounce. So when he cuts, it matters. LeBron can hit him and it's going to be a dunk and it's not kind of going to, he's going to be forced to kick it out for a soft layup. And I think that's a totally fair pick. I, I think in terms of which would you call a role player, Malik Monk or Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook <laughs> would, would have something to say if I answered that incorrectly. So I think that's a fine pick. I would just really enunciate my Westbrook so he yes. didn't think I was defending him. Hey, I, I have a lot of respect for him. I, I do think that from, you know, experience on the elementary school playground, you learn that if you want people to stop making fun of you, you definitely don't tell them that it upsets you when they make fun of you in that specific way. But, hey, I, I, I respect that, uh, that he's honest with the people. We need that kind of, we need that kind of uh, honesty. Do we need to talk about the Lakers at large maybe this would be a good time to all right if they sneak in are are they gonna sneak in like is this uh so you I, have, I, are you taking I the really lakers to, to win two playing games i i am taking the lakers to win minimum one playing game if ad is healthy then i'm taking them to get in I, I i just this is more of a want thing than a think thing i want to see the lakers but it's not that i'm a lakers fan or that i'm one of these people that's just like the nba is better when the lakers are good i i want to see good matchups they have so much talent it would give us such a good first round matchup please make the playing game um and i know we discussed this briefly but as as much as the lakers are struggling right now AD is the perfect defensive playoff big. You get him back, you change to the playoffs, it's a whole new game, maybe. I agree. I mean, if they sneak in, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I don't really think AD is going to come back healthy in time and make enough of an impact. I think LeBron is kind of done with this season and wants over with. But if they do sneak in... It is very hard for me to bet against LeBron and Anthony Davis in the playoffs. Uh, let me ask you, is this a team that is finals 
or title or bust? Like, is there any difference in LeBron's legacy between a first round, second round out, or just not making the playoffs at all? There's no difference in legacy at this point. I feel like he already missed the playoffs with the Lakers that first year. Um, so there's no difference in, in legacy, you know, first round, second round or out, but because of how badly this season went, it, there is sort of a, a moral or like a spirit team victory to, you know, if if they are out in the second round, I think they got to call that a win with, with how bad, um, their, their new pieces fit in, how the injuries went with AD, um, whether that was expected or not. So I, I, I think it matters. I, I hope LeBron's not not hanging up for this season. I mean, if anything, you know, take time off in the regular season, don't care about what happens and just make the playoffs and and come ready to play because he knows what he's like in the playoffs. Their defense has just been so bad that even though he's been so good, it's hard for me to imagine like the rotations are going to be there and the help defense is going to slide over and all those things are going to coalesce into winning basketball at the right time for this team. Um, but let's talk about some bets on the Lakers because there are some unique betting opportunities. You have LeBron James, who sits a, atop this the leaderboard for uh, the scoring title this year. And also, I don't know if you know this, but the scoring title is based on average. It's not based on total points. I did know that. And I don't know if you know this, but LeBron is three games played away from qualifying for that title, and he has missed... Uh, and he just hurt his ankle, so he might be missing games. But LeBron has to play three more games for him to qualify. So here's where I'm looking on the bets. I will be playing the Kings over on his points prop whenever he is active for three more games. And then I expect him to shut it down. They're not going to... Again, They actually might miss the whole play-in. Um, but I think that's less important to LeBron at this point. I mean, you Play just brought up legacy. You, Juju, wow! So that's such a great point. I'm reeling over here because I've had I've had so many things to say during that. So I did not know that LeBron was three games away from qualifying, and I absolutely agree that that matters. You just asked about how their playoff exit or lack thereof is going to affect his legacy. I think the scoring title is going to affect his legacy much more. Um, than any of that, and he knows it. I did not realize it was so close to slipping away. <coughs> I know that, excuse me, it's not guaranteed regardless because Embiid is gunning for it too, as it's pretty much his only shot at the MVP. But, wow, LeBron's going to have to play. There's there's no other way to put it. It would be pretty historic if he got the scoring title in his age 37, what, a 19th season? Like, that would be so crazy. It, it would be so crazy. Uh, and that they potentially don't even make the playoffs with that. There's a whole conversation to be had there. Is Frank Vogel coming back? Yes or no? Yes. 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 Wow. I know I'm I in the minority you... there. And and, and I, I could be wrong. They do have a, a backup coach in the wings. Um, but I, I, I don't think this is his fault. I, I think that it's almost sidestepping the blame to fire him and, and say that the, the free agents just didn't work out the way they thought. But they could still get rid of him because in the NBA, a head coach is more of a scapegoat than you know anything else. 
Yeah, it is. It is sidestepping the issue, but it is going to happen. I don't see Frank Vogel returning. I I see him being the scapegoat for these issues. We should look up the odds on that. I mean, again, like, do you want your money tied up for that long? Because how long is it going to happen before he gets fired? But that'd be I don't think you could actually bet on a coach to be fired. If we did that, <laughs> I'd have so much money on Doc Rivers right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you you <laughs> and the entire Sixers fan base, R slash Sixers on Reddit, is not happy with his lack of B-ball Paul minutes and what he's doing with his non-MB time, but I know this is a Western Conference episode. Do you have any other role players that you had on your list? Did we get through all three? Did you have any honorable mentions that almost made the cut? I, I had a bunch, and as I was gunning for this correspondent position, I actually had five top role players and then three honorable mentions. So the the only one um, that I'll, I'll bring up quickly was an honorable mention that we sort of touched on um, is I just have the Mavs bigs. So that is... Powell, Kleber, and Bertans. And because I've been so interested in, in the Mavs upswing, sort of like I have been the Celtics in the East, I, I just I don't think there's any way that they succeed without one of those players um, us saying, you know, they had a good playoffs. Whether whether that's kind of the the uh, the pick and roll alley oop guy in Powell, he's more athletic, he can play some D, whether that's the stretch ability of a Kleber who can actually defend the rim a little bit, surprisingly. Um, and maybe Bertans contributes a little bit. I, I don't know. I, again, I haven't seen a lot of Bertans minutes on, on the Wizards or, or the Mavs, so I don't know what he's capable of right now. I don't think he's even been playing many, many minutes at all. Um, but yeah, Dwight Powell's been great recently, and if he can be any somewhat of a rim protector, he's a reliable uh, rebounder. He's a good finisher around the rim. He, play, he moves well. He can set a hard screen and roll hard. Mm-hmm. He could work. He could be a great role player to watch in the playoffs. I like that. Um, I put Roy- Royce O'Neal on my list. I have Royce O'Neal too. Okay, finally we have another overlap. Go ahead. Talk you about want- Royce. All right. I just think the Jazz, again, he's the one piece. Ingles is gone. Rudy Gay experiment really hasn't worked out. If this Mitchell, Conley, Gobert thing is going to work, it's going to be because Royce O'Neal, who's been super efficient this year and playing good defense, is going to finally be locking up someone like a Paul George and hitting his threes. So I, if he's doing that, that, if he can provide elite-level defense, it's very similar to the DFS or Cam Johnson or the Reggie Bullock. I feel like the biggest thing that we're looking for in these role players, the, the main theme is a wing body who could hit their threes at a good clip in the playoffs and guard another team's best player. I, and I, Royce I love that, that role for the Jazz. I, I also think that he, he is so important for the Jazz, especially because of how they defend. If you're going to get the most out of a Rudy Gobert, playoffs or not, he has to be a rim protector for you. And if you're going to play, if you're going to cover pick and rolls that way and play more drop coverage, you need the perimeter players that can that are strong and fast, that can run around the screener, that can contest without the big. What, even if you're... even if you're not dropping all the way back to the to the rim. You're not going to have a lot of help, and if you're not making those shots around pick and rolls tough, um, then you know th- their defense just doesn't work, and and Rudy's going to get blamed for it again, deservingly or not. Completely agree. Do you have, all right? You had you're officially a correspondent now that I know how much homework you're doing. Uh, <laughs> hit me with another player on your list. So uh, another guy I had was I wanted to pick someone really badly from the Clippers. I, I saw how good. Uh, Paul George looked the other night. Fantastic, I do- fantastic right? 34. I mean, 
Wow, wow. Steals galore. He looks smooth. I, I, I love that. I was used to seeing him come off that, you know, that atrocious leg injury and thinking, oh, you know, Paul George takes a while to recover, this and that. This is different. He looked ready. So I wanted to pick a Clippers guy. Um, and for me, it was between Covington and Hartenstein. I think that they have really benefited from being able to play Hartenstein 25, 30 minutes a game recently. It, it cuts them out of Zubox. You want to be able to play Zub, but not have to play Zub, you know? So I, I love what he's doing on both ends of the floor. Um, he's, he's an underrated passer for a big, so he opens up I was about to say he's a great passer. Right? He is. Um, so I, I mean, I, I love, I love what he can do when he's playing well. Is he playoff ready? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I know I've seen Covington in the playoffs and I know that that style of elite, elite defender who can play a small ball big and also versatile plus hits open threes, especially the corner threes is exactly the kind of role player you want in the playoffs. So I I was, I was undecided between which of the two of them I'd pick. You think Kawhi's coming back too, and Norm? I don't know. I mean, does if Kawhi comes back, are they the second favorite in the West? I mean, this is wild. All right, I let's let's talk about this as if Kawhi is coming back, because I have so many interesting questions for you. If Kawhi Leonard were to return, here's my first one: Where does Kawhi rank among best players in the West if he shows up day one of the playoffs and says, "I'm ready to go." Is he better than Chris Paul? Is he better than Devin oh, Booker? So different, so different. But uh, I mean, he he is at, at his peak. He is you know top three playoff NBA player right now and and throughout his his prime. I, I don't know what he looks like coming back from injury, but he is so good. I, I'm going to start on offense because I just think he's so underrated on offense for for a team like that where. Paul George is great and will put up buckets, but I don't think of him as being such a creator. Um, can create for himself, not as much for others. Reggie Jackson, great playoffs last year. Can he create that much again? I don't know. Kawhi is 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 Jordan esque the way where he uses his strength in his body and his big hands, and he can get to his spots in the mid range. He really is a consistent three point shooter. Um, he finishes. He gets fouled. He can he can hit his free throws. I, a prime, a, a peak Kawhi, or even a 95% Kawhi would be so important to this Clippers team. I, I would love to see Clippers odds right now, you know? I, I, I wish I took them before Paul George came back out of nowhere. So the Clippers are actually still kind of low down there. I, they are conference division winners. Phoenix 1, Golden State 2, Memphis 3, Utah 4. Mavericks five, Nuggets six. The Clippers come in at twenty-three to one odds, at seventh best in the West right now. Behind them are the Timberwolves and Lakers. So the Mavs and the Clippers are my lower down kind of dark horse type people that I that I like. Yeah, right. I would definitely put the Clippers above the Jazz or above the Nuggets, Agreed. given the potential for superstars to reemerge on this team. Um, does this just completely? reinforce the idea that we talked about last time that the top seeds need to be choosing their matchup can you imagine if phoenix after a 65 win season shows up and they get the clippers after the play-in and you get Kawhi and paul george i mean they would have never chosen that matchup if they could it might be the hardest matchup to get right off the bat i mean how much does this 
Need, I think it's, it's a it's a great use case. Use. It's a great example for for why this is a good idea. I, I think it's creative, and again, we we want it to matter in the regular season. We want those top seeds to be more valuable, um, and because of injuries and and things kind of mixing it up like this, it it can you can end up facing a top team in the first round. We might want that as fans to get a good first round matchup, but the first the first seed, the second seed, they shouldn't have to endure that. I love your idea. And I, uh, I hope uh, Adam Silver gets wind of this, as, as I hear he's uh, a listener. The one, he does, he listens twice. The one um, caveat to that, Austin, the one counter argument you can make is if you're a Suns fan, you could say, give me Kawhi before he gets his legs under him. Give me him with the rust. Give me them right away so I can just knock them out and get it over with. Then so I don't him. have to let That's, That helps your argument too. Then pick them. That you have the option as in, in your model here where the first seed gets to pick. Good. Tell me you this want that. True. This is true. That would be so exciting. Oh, oh Kawhi's it. back? Bring it on. Yeah. How sweet would that be on TNT? Oh, my God. I would have so much respect for a team like the Suns if they did something like that. I mean, wow. They'd get, they would get fans overnight for that. Seriously, who else haven't we talked about? We talked about Denver. We talked about Utah. We talk, have we talked about them all? Memphis. Yeah, we we've we've gone through them all. I know you're gonna do an episode on Memphis, so I'll leave them. I'll 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 yeah, say next this. week I'm bringing on uh, a guest who's a Memphis Grizzlies podcaster. Oh wow, and that's exciting. So yes, I'm looking forward to that. But if if you were to chime in, you think the who's the biggest threat to the Suns? Is it Memphis? No, it's a healthy Golden State. Uh, if if Steph and Draymond are healthy and clicking with their experience with how good they are, it's a healthy Golden State. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen. And so I do have Memphis as my next... Oh, I love the Mavs. I, I've talked about the Mavs enough. I, I will say that Memphis is at least in that next tier of, of having a chance. So they... They, they defend really well. They're versatile. They don't have a ton of experience, but I do think that Jaws kind of superstardom and, and basketball savant level control of the team's offense um, is enough to kind of carry a team in the playoffs. And, and to an extent, you know, it's almost like they don't know what they don't know. This team is feeling themselves right now at the right time. They feed off their leader, Ja. And this isn't like a you know, you're going to come in and punk this team because because they're they're young and they're new. Ja is not going to get punked. T- teams recognize that he is a genius, a basketball genius to some level. The way that the way that he's able to control the game. Obviously, it's easier to think the game at such a high level when you know you move at that speed, you you jump that fast, you can do so much. You can actually think it faster. But I I think that that he is incredible. That he can carry a team in the playoffs, and that they're deep enough that you know I could have picked a lot of role players that that could potentially play big roles on this team. And I think the key with them is they have role players where, let's say, a Desmond Bain, a DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, one of these guys is sucking. Put him at the end of the bench. We we have replacements. Doesn't matter. Again, completely agree. Memphis was a team I couldn't pick. A role player for because I didn't know who their second best player, who their third best player, the fourth best player. Like I feel like they're all just amazing role players. So right after Ja and maybe Triple J defensively, I mean he he's a role player offensively, but it's really the Ja show and just a bunch of really good role players who all know exactly what they're doing. I don't know who the most important one is. Like you said, if Bain's not there one night, you bring in Melton. If it's Brooks one night, you let him go. If Slow Mo's doing his thing, you know you 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 let him cook. If it's Brandon Clark, you take slow-mo out. Like they have so many options around John Morant. 
that it's going to be a matter of does their inexperience come back to haunt them or are they really all about getting that smoke running up that chimney and bring us the smoke and you know a true fighting team that's intense and scary in the playoffs um, and and who do you think they want in the first round oh um the lakers <laughs> you think I th- yeah, I think I think like someone like Ja would be like, give let's take on LeBron. And I think the Lakers' defense is so bad, and that Memphis just knows their rotations and where to slide and where to be that they would cut right through that. Um, and I also think maybe on the back end it would give them that excuse on the backside that oh we didn't make it this year, but we also went up against LeBron yeah, and AD. I think that's. A good point. Uh, I did hear a crazy, crazy Memphis rumor that I want to throw out there before we get out of here today. I was listening to Jalen Rose talk, who's very connected in the NBA, often be breaking stories, and he said, if Zion doesn't come back to play for the Pelicans, beware that Memphis is a team that Zion wants to go to. Wow. Can you imagine John Zion together? I mean, would be what, the second team they played together because they were AAU partners back when they were 15? I, I'm at least happy if that happens that Ja got the opportunity to claim his team to show that, that this is Ja land, that he's running things before they add him. I hope New Orleans and he can and uh, Zion can figure something out because it's, it's too few games to make a decision yet. Injuries make things tough. Shitty coaching changes and and uh, and kind of a bad organization at, at times can can make things happen more slowly. But it's it's not over for them. C.J. McCollum was a great ad. J.V. Jonas Valanciunas was a great ad. I I think that we could be talking about them in the same way that we talk about like a. Uh, maybe not like a Dallas, but like a potential four, five, six. Yeah, Timberwolves. That's exactly who they should be compared to. But but yeah, that's I agree. But they're missing their best player and their franchise player. Um, yeah, I hope Zion can work it out in New Orleans, or I hope he comes to the Knicks. I kind of see this crazy storm of Zion asking out, and I really think Donovan Mitchell is done after this year in Utah, and I think he's going to want to get his way over to Manhattan too. Yeah, so for, for the podcast listeners out there that have heard uh, Mikey make guarantees week in and week out, let me give you a couple guarantees that Mikey has made <laughs> to me over the years. One was a guarantee that D'Lo, Book, and was it Cat end up in Phoenix all together? So he guaranteed so, that. So I got two. Wait, 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 wait. I got two out of the three. And did you see what Booker? Do you see what Booker said to them when they just played against them? What uh, I'm next. <laughs> No, no, no. Booker was playing against um, Min- the Suns were playing against Minnesota recently. Yeah. And D'Lo and Cat came up to Booker after the game, and Booker just walks away and he's like, "I don't got no friends. I don't have friends in this league." And he wow. was clearly calling out that they teamed up and that he was doing better on his own without <laughs> them. I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves were talking crazy that game, and Book banged in his face uh, to kind of cap off a big win. I'm impressed that that Cat and, or maybe unimpressed, that Cat and D'Lo didn't have the competitive fire to say "fuck that" and not go up to him after the game. Um, but okay, so you weren't completely off on that. You know, I'm trying to give you a hard time here. <laughs> and any any others historically that I've been brutally wrong on? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah I, I should write them down. I was convinced. I was convinced Dwight was coming to Brooklyn. Dwight to Brooklyn, okay. I mean, you you did say the Donovan Mitchell to New York thing. I think maybe uh, a year ago, eight months, ten months, something like that. 
Um, so that hasn't had the chance to uh, come to fruition or fail yet. So we'll we'll make. Let a me note. give you. Let me give you my my biggest what if in the NBA. I'm not sure if I've hit you with this before, okay. but I'll hit you with my what if Wednesday comment of the day. We had the Bucks at the 76ers play each other last night. My biggest what if that exists in the NBA right now is what if in 2014 with the second pick of the draft, the Milwaukee Bucks selected Joel Embiid instead of Jabari Parker and paired him with Giannis Antetokounmpo. They were so close to being on the same team. That is, I mean, that is wild, uh, given what, what we've seen they're, they're both able to do now, years and years later. That being said, so Giannis was a, sl- a slow um, a slow development in the NBA, mostly because, you know, he was so frail coming in. And Joel Embiid was hurt. And we know that, that NBA teams are not given much of a runway to, to develop superstars before they kind of go in different directions and figure it out. It would be, I, it's a great what if. I would almost say that what if could have a what if on top of it. What if they draft them both? You know, nothing happened in the first couple of years. They bail on one and then ruin things twice. That's true. It would have been crazy, though, if they had Middleton because he was there going into that 2014 yep. season. Giannis was a sophomore. They were all been so young together, so big, lengthy, great on offense and defense. They could have been, you know, essentially what Russ Harden and KD were in Oklahoma City. I'll bring this full circle. We're talking about Embiid. We were just talking about Zion. I think the comp that the Pelicans want for Zion is the Embiid model. Is the, oh, he only played 80 games through his first three seasons. But then he actually became a player with some durability and became beloved in the city. I think in Embiid's first few years, there was a lot of skepticism about whether he was the right pick, whether his injury history would plague his whole career, whether he was going to stay there long term. And now Embiid is the heart and soul of Philly. So I think you have to hope for that for Zion in New Orleans. You have to hope for that. And New Orleans should be looking at Philly and and using that as an example because one glaring difference between those two models was they really got Joel Embiid to buy into the process in spirit, in his tweets, in everything. So it didn't feel like, you know, he's pissed that they're keeping him out or the city's pissed that he's hurt. It felt like everyone's on the same page building towards a future. And right now, Zion and New Orleans don't have that. Clearly, you know, whether it's Jalen Rose or rumors, people are saying Zion wants out. He's posting, you know, dunks off the backboard to show the fans, hey, look, maybe I'm more ready than the team is saying. There is there is discontent. And the team is doing win-now things around him that's not acting that patient. Like, yeah, I mean, as, we can as judge if they're the forcing that they're his making, hands. But they're clearly yeah. in will. Yeah, they're, they're trying to, like, show him, hey, come back and join, do this with us, and we'll try exactly. and win with you. There's, as opposed to Joel, there was clear communication and almost an agreement that let's do this together and let's slowly build this up to what's now a you know, contending team of the East. I'm on the Any same other last here. points you want to get out of here before the Western Conference before, before we leave? You know, the only point I'd like to make is that in this incredibly smooth first episode with me, with me as correspondent, we're about to hit the one-hour mark exactly. I, I think this is a perfect episode. We should wrap it up right here. Thank you for putting together such a, a beautiful roadmap. And I look forward to future episodes in the playoffs. Awesome. Thank you, Austin. We'll see you soon. Again, we're, we're hoping to have Austin back right before the playoffs, maybe to discuss the play-in games and do a quick preview of the matchups that we're seeing. Austin, we'll see you soon. Correspondent Austin Vernon checking out for the advantage just for today, but he will be back. All right. That wraps up our Western Conference playoff preview. There's about seven or so games left for every team. 
Again, the major bets that we were looking at was to ride LeBron's player prop over through the last three games that he plays this season and to be looking if the Timberwolves happen to match up against the Grizzlies, I will be playing the Timberwolves money line the first two games. Other than that, we really have to look out for health and watch some of these role players that me and Austin talked about today really blossom in the playoffs and make a name for themselves. Thanks for coming to The Advantage, and we'll see you back soon.